as Pastor Mike said, we're at our last uh, message for the sermon series on selfless. And some of you are visiting today and you didn't get to hear all of it. And so it's always online if you ever want to go back and check it out. Um, and so we're looking at, you know, what does it mean to be selfless instead of selfish? Uh, one of the things that I enjoyed this book many, many years ago called The Tipping Point, How Little Things Can Make a Big Difference. And it was by Malcolm Gladwell back in the year 2000. Like, I can't believe that was 23 years ago. Seems like it was just yesterday. And the point of his book was he was studying about what does it take to bring forth change? Like, when is that moment when things change, that tipping point? That little, what's that step, or what's that activity, or what does it take to bring forth change? And he looked at stories in history, how change came about. And, you know, in a way, I think that's the reality, too, about our faith in Christ. What's the tipping point? What's the point in our lives when we realize that he is not just the Savior of the world, but I need him as my Savior? When is that point in our lives that that tipping point, the change happens, when I begin to realize that I am not here to be served, but I am called to serve? Or as John the Baptist said, he must become greater and I must become less, or he must increase and I must decrease. When is that point in our lives that we stop living even the Christian life for ourselves and we begin to live the Christian life for him and his kingdom? And so we have been doing this series about, uh, you know, what does it mean to be selfless instead of selfish? We're living in a very selfish world, uh, and, and we talked right from the beginning. That's been right around since the time of Adam and Eve. There's nothing new under the sun. But our days are very selfish. And yet we as the church of Jesus Christ are called to be selfless. Oh, I think about all the church divisions and splits and things that have happened over the years has happened because of, no other word for it, ego, selfishness. So the first week we looked at what does it mean to be bold in spirit? What does it mean to all of a sudden now I no longer live for myself, but I live for the kingdom of God and I'm busy being bold for him and witnessing for him and wanting to see his kingdom extend in my day. I want to be a part of that. The second week we looked at if we are indeed selfless, we are the most generous people. And I've said it often, well everyone says, well, West Prince is so generous, and it is. But we as the people of God are supposed to be even more generous than that. Because God has done so much for me, I can't do enough for him and his kingdom. Last week we looked at what does it mean to be selfless and the fact that we are faithful in service. That I realize that I am not here, as we said, to be served, but I am here as a servant of the Most High God. And if Christ himself served, what makes me think that I'm supposed to do something different if I am his follower? This week, we are looking at how to be grateful in the grind. And now you're saying, okay, Pastor, I have no idea what that title means. So that's okay, we'll work on that together. Hopefully you will in, in a little while. And, and so one of the things that I like, I was listening to Leonard Sweet, and he had this statement, and it stayed with me a few weeks ago. He says, we don't sing anymore how great thou art, because we are all singing how great I am. 
But when we're looking at self-centered, that, that idea of self-centered, the dictionary says it's one who is preoccupied with oneself, one's affairs. I like what somebody said, and I think it's true, and I, I, I can see myself in here. Maybe you can see yourself. For much of my life, I have lived under the illusion that there's something just around the corner. Something out there that's better. Now, we're not talking about the fact that we have a glorious hope in Christ Jesus, a future hope. But, but living in a way that there's something always better, something always bigger, something out there really matters. You see, there's a mindset that right now, I'm living, what I have right now is not it. And someday, out there, there's something else, something bigger, something greater. And I'm living for someday. See, I deserve more. There must be something better there for me. It's that thing that I desire. It's that event that I'm looking for, the next conference. It's whatever is going to bring more fulfillment to my life. Give me more significance. I'm looking for it. Oh, it's not here. It's somewhere out there. It's someday. Someday. I was thinking as someone shared your story, similar, you know, some of us who have gone to Bible school we were there in Bible school together. We were all talking about someday. Well, someday all these studies will be done and we'll have all the grading will be finished and all the papers will be written and someday we'll get our diploma and someday we'll start ministry. Oh, it'll be better then. I remember we were in a little church that had so many physical problems with the little church and we believed, well, if we renovated the church, once we got the church renovated, someday that church was going to turn around. We literally turned the sanctuary around. Another church that I passed through, oh, the building. I don't know what it is about churches and buildings. But the building was in such ill repair. Every time we made a move forward financially, we were always having to fix something else. And we were like, well, when we finally sell this church, when we finally sell this land, and we go and build a new church, that's going to be the answer. Someday, that's when it's going to turn around. Someday. What if we were to mention today on a personal level, oh, when I get that promotion, when I'm out in the work field, when, when I meet that right guy or meet that right gal and we get married someday, when we're able to have a family finally, oh, when, when our baby finally gets out of diapers, pampers, hallelujah, someday. Oh, when the kids are now in school full time, won't that be great? Oh, when the kids graduate, won't that be great? Oh, when we're empty nesters, isn't that going to be wonderful? <laughs> oh, when we retire, oh man, that's going to be great. Oh, the golden years. I don't, and I don't get the senior started about the golden years. Because they'll tell you there's nothing golden about them. <laughs> See, living for someday... Living for someday. See, there's a dilemma in this, my friends. Finding ourselves in whatever season we're in, wishing the current season away, not celebrating, not experiencing today, because we're waiting for the next thing to come, the better thing to come. Do you know this is where midlife crisis comes? 
This is where midlife crisis comes for a lot of people. This was the attitude. I was very young when I tried to commit suicide. This is where suicide comes from. Because you're living for this someday that isn't coming. And it, it sets you up for discontentment and unhappiness. And so we see that the problem is in all of this that we're living for ourselves. I'm pursuing everything for me. It's about what I want. It's about my dreams. It's about my plans and my goals and my future. And whatever it is that I get, there's got to be something else bigger and better out there. And I don't have it right now. And so someday it's going to come. Do you realize today that all the advertisement that is out there today in the world, all the social media is feeding right into that. Feeding into that. Feeding that there is something better for you. There, no matter what truck you have on the island, there's a better truck. They're all lined up down on Water Street in Somerset. I see them all the time. Right? There's always something better out there. And they're trying to sell it to you. And so we get caught up in this if we're not careful. Social media will tell you, gratify yourself, indulge yourself, get whatever you want. You deserve it, right? Contentment is always out there somewhere, someday. And it needs to be chased after, or it needs to be purchased. And that's going to bring your happiness. All that happiness comes for a moment. I remember our kids at Christmas. Oh, they had it on your list. And all the parents and grandparents know you've been here. Oh, I've got to have this. I want to have this. All my friends have it. You get it for me. You get it there Christmas morning. They play for it with it Christmas Day. They play with it on Boxing Day, and it's forgotten. One of our kids wanted this electronic drum set. And he got it, and he ended up playing with the box three days later. Right? This is what social media feeds into. This is what sets us up if we're not careful. If that's what we're living for, you will never be satisfied. Because it's all about me. And we've been looking at the fact that Jesus is counterculture. This community of faith is supposed to live counterculture to the culture outside of it. That's what makes the church, the community of God, different than any other community or any other group that you would be a part of. Because we uh, march to a different drumbeat. We live under a different culture. And Jesus' culture is one of selflessness and not selfishness. So I would say to you as a Christian, when I hear you speaking selfishness, Things that you want and your wishes and what the church should be. You are living in the culture of the world and not the culture of the kingdom. That's a strong statement. And we have this choice. We're kind of torn between two. Some of us are on that tipping point. Because we're in the world... And we know we shouldn't be of the world, but it keep, we keep hearing it, we keep saying it, we keep feeling it, that somehow I deserve more. And Jesus has told us the complete opposite. Right? What did he say to us? If you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you don't indulge yourself. It's not about you. You deny yourself. You take up your cross. And you follow me. We heard how the Apostle Paul said it. The Apostle Paul said, 
in verse 31 there, so what, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So the basic principle of living out this godly, holy life it is that we're living our life in such a way that it's all for God's glory. Now hear me right. We think it's the big. We think it's what happens on a Sunday morning across this platform. But the truth of it is, when I live for God's glory, it's when I do the laundry. Praise the Lord. It's doing the dishes. It's picking up the kids at their sports events or taking them there. It's, it's wherever I might find myself out grocery shopping, which, by the way, now I hate. I've got that since the pandemic. It's in the fields. It's out on the fishing boats. It's whatever we find ourselves doing, we do it for the glory of God. That's what we're called to do. We do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for His glory. See, the prize isn't out there someday. The prize is right here today that I am alive. I'm able to do things for His glory. Amen. And it's something worth celebrating. It's something worth enjoying. It's something about being alive today. It's about being grateful in the grind. The day in and the day out. What others might think is mundane, it's never mundane with God. Because I'm doing it all for His glory. I'm going to ask all the fathers if you would stand. Don't usually do that in the little message, do you? I caught you off guard there. All the fathers, if you would stand. I want to say to you, I praise God for you. I am thankful for you. We have seen you be grateful in the ground. We see you day in and day out doing the hard work of what needs to be done to protect and to provide for your family. And we have seen you do it when you don't even feel like doing it. We have seen you do it when you're not feeling well. We have seen you do it when you're discouraged. And we honor you today. Women and other men, let's honor these fathers here today. Let's show them our appreciation. You may see it. We're thankful for you. We see it. We see what you do. We see what it means to be faithful in the ground. And I think sometimes we don't show our appreciation enough, you know, once a year on Father's Day. But it is, I've been amazed when I've watched a lot of men and their faithfulness getting up day in and day out. It's amazed me when I have seen some fathers not even liking their profession drudging their profession, and they would get up every morning the same as if it was what they love to do because they're doing it for their family. They're doing it because it's a call that God has given them. And I want to challenge you today for all of us that God wants us to be faithful to whatever he's called us to do today. I know Ruby and, and, and Deborah online, and we were able, they were saying hi here, and we were, I was able to say, we're praying for you now, Ruby. And, you know, it's so important for us to realize, as, as we're thinking about that, about even in whatever situation we find ourselves in, that we give God the glory. Even in that situation, we give God the glory, even in moments 
like that. That God is asking us to be faithful in the midst of whatever we're going through, that we give God the glory. First Corinthians, as we saw that passage, I love what Paul says there to the church in Corinth. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. Now listen to what he says in verse 10. That beginning of verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Turn to somebody and say, I am what I am. I am what I am. I am what I am. All by the grace of God. All by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now that doesn't mean we can't grow and mature and change and transform. But there is that reality that we need to celebrate for who we are today in Christ Jesus. See, there is this tipping point that happened for the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had this encounter with Jesus Christ. And he would never be the same again. He had a tipping point. Well, literally, he got <laughs> thrown off a horse. <laughs> Maybe some, that's what it takes. <laughs> but he had this tipping point. He had this transformation. He had this change in his life. He was going in one direction, persecuting the church. And the grace of God came and confronted him. And his life was changed. And it was all because of God's amazing grace. And so we see in this transformation that happens in the Apostle Paul, he realizes that in humility, he is the least of the apostles. This is what he tells us in this passage about his, we see his characteristics here. That he's the least of the apostles. He was given an office that he was not worthy of. <coughs> And he says that he was who he was by what? The grace of God. What's the grace of God? God's unmerited favor. You've done nothing to deserve it. Nothing. It's all because of God's amazing grace. And so humbly, we see this characteristic of humility, humbleness in the Apostle Paul, much like our Lord. And I like I said this a few weeks ago, but C.S. Lewis said, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Did you get that? You've got to be awake. You've got to be awake to get this one. I'll say it again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. We see that he's conscientious of his own worth, though. He knows that anything that he's been able to do is all because of God's grace, that God has enabled him. And God wants to enable you to do mighty and wonderful things for him, day in and day out, in everyday life. And then he realizes that he is not alone in this, because in whole chapter 15, he talks about the resurrection of God. And in this resurrection of God, he is there saying that he is a fellow Christian. He is with all the apostles. And together, because this is about the resurrection of Christ, chapter 15 is about the resurrection of Christ. And he says that he is a fellow preacher of the word with all the apostles. And so Paul understands the importance of the body of Christ, the importance of church, 
the importance of being together with the brothers and sisters. He's no, there's no such thing as lone rangers, my friend. Those who are around today telling you that I love Jesus, but I don't want anything to do with the church. It is a lie of the enemy. And the Apostle Paul realizes that he, along with all the other apostles, are teaching the truth about the resurrected Jesus. And so today we celebrate God's grace, especially on this Father's Day, at work and through the most unlikely people, because people are grateful in the ground. So is that your story today? Many of you would say, like I would say, well, I wasn't very good. I wasn't very faithful, and I wasn't very righteous. But by the grace of God, I am who I am today. And His grace is not in vain. His grace isn't in vain in me because it has changed and transformed me. And I pray that's your statement today. Pastor, I've had a tipping point. I've had a transformation. I've had a day and a moment I can point to when my life has been changed because of the grace of Christ. And it wasn't in vain. Now I'm going to say something. For some of you, it's a sad thing that the grace of God is in vain. Why? Because, oh, you have head knowledge. I had that for many years of my life. I knew that Jesus Christ was Lord. I knew that he died on the cross. I knew a lot of things. I was raised in Sunday school. I, I, I would do all these kinds of things as a child. I knew those things. But his grace was in vain because it didn't hit my heart. It didn't change me. It didn't transform me. You know, the scripture says that even the demons know who Christ is. That's a strong statement. It's not about knowing who he is. It's about having a personal relationship with him. That's what we can go around and say like the Apostle Paul. His grace hasn't been in vain in my life. In my life, the grace of God has touched me and changed me and transformed me. And it's not just head knowledge, but it's hit my heart in such a way that everything I do, I want to do for the glory of God. I love what N.T. Wright says, because in any moment that tipping point can happen for all of us. I love what he says, Christianity, you see, isn't a set of ideas, it isn't a pack of spirituality, it isn't a rule of life, it isn't a political agenda, it includes and indeed gives energy to all those things, but as its very heart, it is something different. It is good news about an event which has happened in the world, an event because of which the world can never be the same again. And those who believe it and live by it will, thank God, never be the same again. History's tipping point when everything changed. So my friends today, are you grateful in the grind? Are you at a place that whatever you're doing, whatever task you find yourself, you're not living for someday, but in humility, you are doing all you can today. Whatever today brings, day by day, and with each passing moment. We sing that. Every day is a gift from God. Every day that I wake up in the morning, and my eyes open, and my feet touch the floor and I'm breathing and I can get up, I can use it for the glory of God. That is being grateful in the ground. 
It's not listening to the lies of the enemy waiting for someday. You want to know some of the other lies of the enemy that he has poured over the church, especially in North America? We go around saying, well, why is the church growing in other parts of the world? And somehow in North America, it isn't. Because there are three enemies right now that will prevent you from living your life doing what you do for the glory of God. The first is called the pillow. <laughs> the pillow is about what? Comfort. There are those who wouldn't go to churches, believe it or not, because the seats didn't have cushions. <laughs> we like comfort. This, this is where we're seduced by comfort. Oh, we, we need the better house, the bigger car, the big trip that everyone else is taking, uh, a new boss, enough money to take life easy and just sit back. Because we're looking for comfort. There are those who actually believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is about to make you comfortable. <coughs> We've missed it. God has never called us to easy. Where in this book can you point a scripture to me besides him saying, my yoke is easy and light. But by the way, it is yoke. Have you ever watched The Beast of Burden with yoke? It's not about comfort. He, he has never said that this is about being comfortable. It, it's about being easy. He told us that if we follow him, it will be the narrow way. It will be the way least traveled. There will be very few on that road. That's what he said. And so somehow, if you're not careful today, church, in this day that we live in, and I know my generation especially, they say, is the one in the church who is opting out for comfort if we're not careful. Those in their 50s and their 60s, oh, I've worked hard all my life, now it's time to be comfortable. Where do you read that in the gospel? <coughs> there we're supposed to go out in a flame. Hallelujah. Then there is the enemy uses what? Shiny things. Distractions. <clears throat> oh, he loves to distract us. If the comfort of the pillow doesn't get us, he'll try to send shiny things to us to distract us. And all I could think about this week when I was looking at this was Lord of the Rings. Any of the Lord of the Rings fans? My precious. The shiny things. Those things that attract that lead us away as we follow those things. You know, constant distractions, notifications, overscheduled. I'm busy, Pastor, do you know that? Comparing ourselves to others and using social media to compare. Well, you'll never measure up. The grass is always greener somewhere else. The shiny things, the allure of constant, constant distraction. I have fallen into it myself, and I know there's good intentions. On a Sunday, we can have a service. I can make great commitments to Christ. You can make great commitments to Christ. We can be emotional at it. We can spend time at the altar. We can have good intentions this week. Oh, and the distractions, they come. And before we know it, all those intentions fall to the floor. We were going to be more involved. We were, we were going to read the word more. We were going to pray more. Lord, we were going to be obedient to hear your voice. And we got so distracted. And another week passes, and another month passes, and another year passes. And the enemy has been distracting us by shiny things. And then, throw in the towel. 
Now, we talked about last week the towel of service. That's not what this is. The enemy will want you to throw in the towel, to give up. That's another attack that he will use. He will try to get you just to throw in the towel. It's not worth it. Do you know they joke about the fact that, and we've said it, that every pastor every Monday morning wants to throw in the towel. You know that? That's the reality of ministry. That, 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 that you do and you work, and then the enemy comes right in behind this. And we know after the pandemic, many have thrown in the towel and said, thanks, but no thanks, it's not worth it. Uh, I, you know, people, people didn't appreciate me the way that I thought they should. I'm not really making a difference. And this is just too hard. There could be ministries in the church, it could be out in the community, it could be jobs, it could be relationships, it could be marriages. I'm just going to throw in the towel. Not worth it. Somebody said, you know, when you think about death and those trying to do better financially, they also might throw in the towel. Oh my gosh, I'm broke. There's another bill. Uh, charge it. Oh, what's going on? We can't seem to make ends meet. Well, let's just go out and eat and shop. Huh. We'll just throw in the towel of all the hard work we've been doing. What about those with faith in the church? Well, let's just throw in the towel. You know, I tried God. I went to church a bit, but I didn't get anything out of it. Uh, someone, I didn't like what somebody said to me. You know, I read my Bible every once in a while. I don't get anything out of it. I, I prayed a few times, and God didn't answer my prayers. So I'm out of here. I'm thrown in the towel. My friends, that is an attack of the enemy. If there's ever been one. Don't fall for it. You can throw in the towel, somebody said, or you can pick up the towel and wipe the sweat off your brow and get back to being faithful in the ground. Because whatever I do, I'm doing it for the glory of God. And so, I believe we can realize, I like that statement, we can realize that we aren't to live for someday. Today, my friends, we are to be grateful in the grind. We are to live for today. Leaving selfishness behind. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take some spiritual work. We've talked about it for four weeks. It's time for us to move on. But the homework will last to eternity. Because there's going to be times when we are going to want to be selfish. And the Holy Spirit is going to challenge us and say, now, is that Christ-like? Maybe it's time to hand this over to the Holy Spirit, to give it to God. Is that being like Jesus? You know, I've, I've often thought, what would marriages look like if we were both selfless? Challenge, Christ, as you enter into this journey together this week. What would families look like if we were all selfless? Serving the needs of one another first. What would this church be like if we were all selfless? Putting the needs of others before our own. That's exactly what Jesus has called us to. That it is time to leave behind and do the spiritual work of leaving behind selfishness. And that means that we're going to give up the pillow Give up the shiny distractions and stop throwing in the towel. Gonna to ask the worship team to come.
What if we said this, God, use me to reach more people? Even if I'm laughed at and ridiculed at, or even if it seems foolish, help me be bold and witness. What, what would it look like if, if we began to say, as individuals in the church, Lord, bless me to bless others. Help me to be extravagant in these days of my generosity. What would it look like when we begin to use our spiritual gifts and talents to serve one another, to serve the greater community, and we show love even when we don't receive love? We show love when it makes us feel uncomfortable, when we would be faithful in service. And my friends, today I want to challenge you God, help me every single day that I wake up to do whatever you've asked me to do for that day. To do it all for your glory. To celebrate the little things and the great things and everything in between. Help me, Lord, not to live for someday. Because someday might never come. But today, I do it all for your glory. I'm going to be grateful to the ground. God, help us all to do so. Let's pray. Father, as we close this service, as we close this series, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for us today because we hear the voices, the many voices coming at us. And it's all around us. It's in social media. It's in our family. It's in the community. It's just everywhere, Lord. And we're challenged by the fact that we are to march to a different drumbeat, that we are called to be part of your kingdom, that we're to take up our crosses, deny ourselves, and to follow you. And God, I help, I pray that you would help us, Holy Spirit, today to find that narrow road, to walk it, and to celebrate every step on it. Yes, Lord. Every step, every milestone, that it's not just the destination, and praise God, we've got a glorious destination, <laughs> hallelujah, but it's the journey, it's the journey, it's all about the journey too, it's about day in and day out, week after week, and month after month, and there's always something to celebrate when we are part of your kingdom. I pray for those today that are frustrated, discouraged looking for something greater out there and not even seeing the blessings of God right at their feet today. Lord, we thank you for your grace first and foremost. We thank you that your grace wasn't in vain. That we have had that transformation, that tipping point. And I pray for those today that needed to move from their head down to their hearts. Mm -hmm. That today can be their tipping point as well. Today can be the beginning of a transformation. Yes. That they can know you as Lord and Savior, and they can live their lives to your glory. Yes. Lord, help us in this day to shine like lights in a dark world all around us, we pray. Bless the fathers today, Lord. Equip them, encourage them, empower them to continue to be faithful in the grind. And we will stand beside them and behind them and bless them and appreciate them. And most of all, Lord, today, we thank you, O Heavenly Father, for how you have been with us and in us and moved through us, like the Apostle Paul said. In Jesus' name, amen.